Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest show for February 5th, 2020, starring our man, Tony Kanon. We just wrapped up the call here. It's uh, early-ish on a Wednesday evening. Tony is in my time zone, though, in Las Vegas, doing some great stuff with his longtime friends and partners at 7-Eleven. So got about 40-ish minutes here, 45 minutes. I'm not sure what the exact timing is going to be with TK, but we really enjoyed the conversation because of him and because of your questions this listener-driven format. It's one that I love because you all know the good stuff, sending the fun stuff, the interesting, the poignant, and I think we did our best to get across all three of those general topics. Tony is having to leave, though, so while I wish I could have gotten to all your questions, it's a pretty compact recording here in that 40, 45 minutes or so, so hopefully you enjoy that. And I can guarantee you we will be doing more this year. I can tell you that it's been a busy week full of news. Some idiot who has my name and also my racer magazine colleague Chris Medland happened to share something we'd been sitting on for a little bit uh, about Fernando Alonso not racing with Andretti Autosport and Honda as expected. And, yeah, there's been a little bit of fallout there. can tell you that with the listener Q&A show, which complements the guest show every week, uh, <laughs> a lot of the questions were Fernando-related. Just tell you that the largest number of questions for me that I've ever received, uh, even topping... Roger Penske buying IndyCar in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway from a few months back. So I'm going to do my best to get through that in a timely fashion as well. So once you're done here, I don't know when I'm going to get that done, but you might take a listen there. There's a lot of great questions about that. Uh, I'll get into Scott McLaughlin being signed. Is that the right way to put it? By Team Penske to do more than just drive their Australian supercar. And what else do we have here? I should also mention a regular, actually a weekly guest, the one permanent guest of my podcasts, our cat Rocky. He has just jumped up on the back of the chair, walked behind me, uh, sniffed my hair, and now he's just jumped onto a crate that I've placed with a blanket on it. Uh, And our other cat is with my wife. So this is kind of normal. Cats as the co-pilots on a podcast. Oh, Lord. Um, We have this thing going on on Friday. This is kind of fun, maybe. I don't know if fun is the word. Is petty the word? Is slightly aggro the word? I don't know. You tell me. So our friends at, and you have to say this and sing it in a high soprano type voice, spam, our friends at Arrow McLaren SP announced a little while back that they would be unveiling their liveries, showing the world how this new union of the McLaren racing team and Sam Schmidt and Rick Peterson, what it would look like. They have let the racing world know about this, that it would be coming on February 7th, 2020. Saw posting on the good old Instagrams on the gram. And I don't know, maybe the book faces and some other places here yesterday, I think. 
And that was a new submission from one James of the Hinchcliffe tribe, James Hinchcliffe, announcing that he would also be announcing what we expect would be his plans for the Indy 500, meaning who it would be with. Could there be some other plans? I've heard rumor that the mayor is looking at some other things too, but saw an announcement that hashtag challenge accepted. Uh, Well, the answer or answers are going to be revealed on Friday, (laughs) February 7th, uh, the same day that we've known for a while. And everyone has known an IndyCar at least is the day that Aaron McLaren SP is unveiling their cars and using that day as their big kind of thing. Um, coincidental timing wink wink i think not but again uh (laughs) we don't usually get stuff like this right uh it there tends to be a little bit of a a clearing of the runways so that teams don't run over one another well if you think about it james isn't a team james is a man james is a person who used to work for uh arrow what is now arrow mclaren sp and maybe doesn't feel super obligated to stay out of their lane on friday and so there you go um does that mean anything in the scope of the world no but i did have to chuckle a little bit and go huh all right oh we're uh we're kind of letting them know what, what we think of them here so in theory provided nothing falls through we're going to see what the Aero McLaren SP Chevys driven by Pato Award and Oliver Askew will look like. I don't know if they're going to have more announcements. I don't, I haven't heard anything about there being more, but again, who knows? And assuming nothing gets derailed on Mr. Hinchcliffe's side, we should also be learning about his, I guess, Indy 500 plans, we hope. So, yeah, that's coming. We did finally have confirmation, formal confirmation, although myself, Robin Miller, have been telling you guys for a while that the A.J. Foyt racing team would have four drivers split across two cars, and the composition of that is Charlie Kimball for the full season in the number four, Tony Kanaan, our guest this week for the five ovals, Sebastian Bourdais, who I just recorded a little something with tonight after he got done on the Chevy simulator at uh, in North Carolina after doing, I think he said 130 something laps at St. Pete. Uh, and also Dalton Kellett, who is a fine young Canadian. Going to try and figure out a way to answer your questions on the listener Q and a show about Dalton's addition to this team. We're just talking strictly on achievement and merit, which is the heart of the questions you all have sent in. Trying to think what else? What else can we talk about beyond that before we get rolling here? Yeah, uh, we should just get going with TK, who did drop in some gems. He's kind enough to hold some things for the show to reveal a couple of things, and one at the very end. Apparently, I didn't ask all the right questions uh, because he saved one for the very end, which is pretty darn cool and pertains to next week's spring training session. And then when we're done here, I need to actually continue with my acquisition of interviews with former team owners and 
teammates of the late, and I have no problem saying great, John Andretti through some uh, old friends, Rick Vogelin, who for any of you in the uh, racing industry, you might remember Rick, who was Chevy's longtime or GM's longtime drag racing and road racing PR man. Uh, Rick was able to connect me through some of his friends with Jack Clark, John's former NHRA team owner, Jack, who I grew up watching going to Candlestick Park as a member of the San Francisco Giants. So going to ring Jack when we're done here and add some thoughts about John's time in the NHRA with him. Uh, Lord, who else? Uh, I've already spoken with a lot of people as I'm working down the list. Jim Hall II, going to speak with him here shortly. Davy Jones, David Brabham, uh, Anders Crone, who was uh, one of John's teammates in John's final, I believe, professional drive, at least in sports cars. Uh, so, yeah, working on that project and to put together a big old podcast, with just a bunch of really kind people sharing thoughts and love about John spent 20 ish minutes on the phone on Sunday with Kyle Petty and wow, beautiful stuff. We would expect nothing less from Kyle though, but just beautiful stuff. And so going to keep working on that to pay tribute to someone who I thought the world of and who was so sweet and kind to my wife and I, in particular, Mrs. Pruitt, once her cancer diagnosis became public. So that's what's going on in the background. Other than that, as I mentioned to Tony at the end, which is more just a conversation between he and I, but I left it in anyways. I won't be at spring training next week. Uh, I wish I could, but we're just not quite at a place where Mrs. Pruitt is ready to uh, look after herself without me being here. We do know that that is coming, that that is on the very near horizon. We're hoping before the St. Pete season opener, but still there, there's no real guarantee. There's no fixed date on some of the uh, recovery items that she needs to clear before I can get on a plane and play reporter monkey, much less not be on that plane or at a racetrack, just a nervous wreck that I'm not there to help her with something to be, whatever it is that she needs as we go through this uh, 18 months now of fighting cancer and some of those mobility changes, which we haven't spoken about or defined, but uh, I think some of you understand what we mean when we say mobility challenges. So things are continuing to make a, a turn towards a positive, not all positive, but mostly positive. And thank you once again to all of you, seriously, Uh, The amount of calls and texts and direct messages and emails and uh, everything you all continue to send in just to check in, say, hey, thinking you guys keep fighting, saying prayers for you. It is a it's a constant has become a constant in our lives and just that kindness and care that you all demonstrate and lavish on us. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Your questions here as well, they're wonderful. We had a lot of uh, a lot of folks who wanted to connect with Key, TK. I was about to call him Key Tay because I'm sometimes, no joke, uh, Lizdexia is a little bit of an issue for me. Um, mental and written and spoken. Final item here, Cooper Tires. 
with us now for three years. It's really cool. Uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, this podcast that we do, we have our weekly shows. We have some of our other features, audio, you know, in-car audio, ambient audio, and some long interviews and a variety of silly stuff, special features and sports car bits. It's just pretty cool to have a, you know, serious company like Cooper Tires say we want to come back and we want to come back and you know now year three with them it means a lot and also knowing how they support the road to indy which i spent so much of my career working as a mechanic and an engineer and even a a manager a little bit uh, on the road to indy back in the day that yeah it's just really cool it's a perfect fit same with the justice brothers who now into year two and maybe some of you get tired of me mentioning it, but truly I've used their products since my very first day as a race car mechanic. The team that I worked for, my first race car team, a pro racing team of all things, in the former SCCA Super V Series, they, that was their primary business, Barry Distributing, and they distributed automotive lubricants and chemicals and oils and such. And the Justice Brothers, <laughs> big old stickers on that car. Not because they sponsored it, but because that is what uh, the driver and team owner, that's what he sold. So it's kind of crazy there, too, where this is the brand I've known for the longest in my overall career now. 33 years, I think. I don't know, 34. And they were there since day one. And here they are now as a uh, committed sponsor of our podcast. And finally... We say thank you to torontomotorsports.com and all the fun stuff they do with the t-shirts and the hats and stickers. We've got a some new new stuff coming, uh, in particular, hamburger and french fry show. There's a new design that uh, we all just agreed on, and we're even kind enough to include Sebastian on that email chain. So that's coming, and we've got some other fun stuff, too, here that I hope you'll enjoy. And then Bell Racing Helmets. They're just good people. They make your brain safe. They make... They make you know, they make good things happen upstairs. So thank you to them as well. Uh, they've been with us now for what I think this is the third year. So yeah, just really cool. Really cool. Their commitment and you're all y'all's commitment to what we do here. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, Rocky's over there, uh, grooming his paws. So, you know, the world is right in the Pruitt household. It is time to get going with our man, the Iron Man, Antoine Canon, aka Tony Canon, aka TK, here on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast in your week in IndyCar guest episode. I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm smiling, and that's because I have a dear old friend on the line for yet another week in IndyCar appearance. That would be Tony Canon. I I love this last lap thing i don't know if i love the last lap in general because i already struggle just having miller to talk to half the time in the paddock and i i'm not sure i might have to come up with a gofundme page to get you to the indycar races in the future because it's not going to be as much fun but how you doing brother let's talk about this decision and what's coming here for you um i'm good marshall and and let me clarify things because i think people I got a lot of questions about that. And, and what people don't understand, I mean, first of all, the whole idea of the last lap was made last year. And what I wanted to announce was this was going to be my full, my last season as a full-time driver. 
uh, out of my control. Uh, that went away when I only got picked to do five races. So how can I announce my last full season if I'm only doing five races? So that was kind of confusing to the fans, but I'm not going anywhere. I mean, uh, I didn't say I'm retiring. I said I'm slowing down. Um, that doesn't mean I won't do IndyCar races in the future. I'm saying that as a full championship, I don't think that's going to happen again. And on top of that, we can talk during the podcast, but there I have so many plans to still be involved in the sport that actually I don't think you guys going to have time to miss me. I think it's going to be the opposite. I'm going to have a lot more time with you guys. Would you, you leave us alone, Kanan? Would you truly go, go away? Please go back racing. So uh, <laughs> I have some uh, some cool things that actually uh, I saved for your podcast that fans don't know about what? that I did that I did not talk about on uh, my announcement. The plans are being developing since um, so we'll, we'll start talking and I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you guys all about it. All right. Well, yeah. the part about replacing Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, that's the best, but we're going to well, get to that in a moment. Is they, I asked for 300 million. They said 250. I said, I don't want it. Cheap bastards, cheap <laughs> bastards. All right. So as you have a ridiculous, we would seriously need about six hours to get through all the questions. A lot of them are similar. So I apologize if you don't hear me read your name, but tried to lump them in or go with someone who asked one that kind of represented a lot of the questions. So we'll start here with a bit of present and future stuff, TK. This one comes in from Nick Landon. It says, congratulations, Tony, on your long and wonderful career. It says, I'm sure it's been asked many times, but what is next? Is it Central Indiana Sprint Cars, Midgets? Is it Sports Cars? He says, whatever it is, I hope you're able to catch up on things you haven't been able to do for a while since you've been full-time in IndyCar. When I saw that question, he nailed it. I think he mentioned everything that I want to do that I wasn't able to do it being a full-time IndyCar driver. So what's next? Um, all the above. Uh, um, anything that has four wheels and an engine and a steering wheel, I will be driving. I mean, that opens up for everything that I haven't done to repeat things that I've done like Le Mans, like Daytona, 24 hours like some I did you know that I did Eldora for a few years yeah. on the dirt so I'm uh, I'm open for anything I've been a lot of talks already I mean in the past couple of years with this rumor that when I was going to retire full time this and that I've been talking to from INSA to dirt uh, dirt racing to Formula E to anything that is really a, I mean I'm not Again, I said in the beginning of the show, I'm not retiring. I'm just uh, shifting the focus. So the answer is yes. anything that I can drive. <laughs> plus, plus, uh, I still, uh, you know, I'm really interested, uh, interested to do some TV that I enjoy a lot. Beautiful. Uh, I think that will be something that, you know, obviously podcasts, it's always fun. I always have fun. So that's another thing that I would, that I'm going to pursue as well. That's awesome. Well, uh, one of the great things here is it sounds like you're doing something not too dissimilar from what we have seen Fernando Alonso do, right? Put in a long time in F1, said, hey, I'm going to step away from that full time. But you know what? I've always wanted to do to do this, so I'm going to go do that. It sounds like you're in a, a headspace where you're going to do the things that you want, nothing to do with need. You know, oh, I got to do this because I got to pay the bills or it's contractually required. But truly, this is my bucket list. 
Let me go live it as I want it. Correct. And then I feel extremely fortunate for that. You know, Marcel, man, it's 23 years in IndyCar. I, a kid that came from Brazil with one pair of jeans and a shirt without speaking English. And then in, prior to that, I live in a race shop in Italy. I, uh, I made a lot more money than I ever expected. So I, we have a simple life. We, uh, you know, we don't need much. So, uh, hopefully, um, I'll have time to enjoy other things. I'm, I'm spoiled. I mean, I've, I've, you know, it, it was a big decision on my part, to be honest, as far as when I decided that that was going to be it, regardless of how many races I was going to do, because I didn't know that, but going back and thinking, man, I mean, for the past 23 years was end of January to the end of October, because the, the champ car season was a little longer, sometimes November. That's all I've done the past 23 years i don't even remember what it's life without a full-time season so and in a way you try to fulfill with other commitments and this and that and 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 so basically it was scary uh at first but now i'm i'm happy that i can just look at the options and hopefully the options will come i think uh i've been extremely lucky with some of my personal sponsors what they've done for me uh, my entire career. I think I built a reputation that there will be eventually the phone will ring and we'll be able to, to make some deals to do other things that the fans will, will still enjoy uh, my presence at the racetrack and the race car. You know, the only concern Miller and I have is Tony Kanon with an abundance of free time. I mean, you've already got like 19 kids, man. We're just, a, we're a little right. afraid. You're going to have to build a, a new compound to house all, house all the kids that might come along. So that might be the only area we've got to be careful a little bit. You know, uh, if we go to uh, Evan Kramer, he says, TK, you're an absolute legend. We're all so lucky to have witnessed you race. He says, once the final oval race of the year is up, is there anything you plan to do? And again, knowing we're not retiring or anything like that, it is a good question, though. Have you at least thought, all right, final lap, crossing the line there at Iowa, uh, on, or I'm sorry, Gateway, on this full-time career, you thought that far ahead and what you want to do, or uh, how do you yeah, think you might I mean, treat that? Yeah, I mean, that would be the planning for the the following season, right? What is in place that, that then officially I will be like, I, I have no IndyCar races to do yet. Should we plan to, 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 to come back for the 500? Should we go Daytona? That is actually the first race of the year for everybody, right? If you think about it, I mean, the roar is like the first weekend of yeah. January. So there'll be to put all those deals in place. And, and I don't know. I mean, a race is so, so unpredictable that, I can say all this and during the year, a lot of other things are going to develop. And then by the time I go to St. Louis, I have a completely different news for you guys. So I'm leaving, I'm leaving wide open. Um, I have a big commitment. I still got, I'm going to do a few Ironmans this year. So that is actually a couple of races that I'm going to do after St. Louis, which I'm not going to say which ones yet because I don't want to spoil, but that is going to be already a big commitment and training anyway. So I will not be uh, sitting at home uh, by any means. Uh, no rocking chair videos? No, no, no rocking chair videos? 
No, plus, I mean, like I said, uh, I will be actually be coming to every IndyCar race as part of my uh, my farewell season. And IndyCar, we've been working with, you know, the guys in marketing and speaking to Roger since he acquired the whole thing. They want me to be part of every autograph session this year. Wow. So even though I'm not racing, I will be there uh, with some retro hero cards sometimes for the guys that, you know, that Look actually that. really follow my career. So that, that that is some of the news that nobody knows yet. I need some I'm LCI right phone now. cards. That's what I want. I want LCI Can phone cards. Can you remember? Cards. You remember those? Uh, I, that was so cool. I could call home for free uh, in Brazil. It was awesome. Actually. <laughs> ah, this is the best. Let's go to, where should we go next? Man, we got so many great ones to choose from. Uh, let's go to Jeff. Uh, it says, Tony, congratulations on a great career. Do you have any interest in staying in racing as an owner or maybe a driver coach? Any chance it might come with AJ Foyt Racing? Jeff closes by saying, can't wait to see you at the Indy 500 this year. Um, I would love to do as a driver's coach. I don't think I'm going to own a team, to be honest. Uh, I don't see that happening, um, at smart. least in the, in the near future. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been around way too long and spoke to plenty of the team owners that I race for, including uh, the one that I spoke about this the most was Michael Andretti, and uh, the advice is actually not. <laughs> it's uh, it's do not do that, you know, unless you have all the program paid for and sponsored for it. Otherwise. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's extremely risky. So the coaching, actually, um, I'm extremely interested on that. I mean, in a way, indirectly, I've done that my entire career with some of the teammates that I had. Sure. It was kind of part of my role. I don't want to take credit for it, but that was actually something that people asked me to do. So I would love to. I would love to. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually mainly in IndyCar, maybe on the ladder series, because, you know, you see now that... Honda just announced that the F3 champion will yep. get a shot. So that's awesome. Get some young kid to say, you know what? This is how you got to do, man. You're going to have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and we're going to go work out, and this is what you're going to like. I would love to do that. You're going to burn them out. That, I love it. Well, you know, it's it's that's the way I made it. If you want to you make it, I mean, I'm not saying that's the right way, but this is the way I did it. So I would love to do that. So coaching for sure, only a team. Nah, not happening. Man, the only thing I dislike about you not wanting to own a team is at least for one year, you could be the biggest jerk. All the ways you've been jacked around by team owners, you could just pay <laughs> some unfortunate soul back. Probably wouldn't be his or her fault as a but driver. Thing, but Marshall, I, to do that, to do that, I couldn't do it to a driver that, that, that hasn't been to the process. I should then be able to hire some of my ex-team ah. owners to race for me so I could do that to them. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I can't, oh man you and i are going to do a podcast or, at some or, time or in the future go, or and tell some stories their, or, or actually go buy one of their teams just to fire themselves out of the team <laughs> <laughs> you know following the last lap it's tony canon's revenge tour <laughs> oh that's the best uh let's see let's go to ryan ward uh, obviously, you just mentioned you don't want to own an IndyCar team. He asks, any chance we could see you and Elio form a new IndyCar team? But maybe you could share some thoughts on Elio mentioning here uh, after your announcement that, you know, he feels like maybe the two of you are going to come back together again. And, you know, having watched you two together at 
the Tasman Indy Lights team when I first met both of you. Man, that'd be pretty darn cool somehow. I mean, honestly, uh, it, obviously I saw the article and then I texted him right away. We've been talking through this winter, kind of like I was actually asking him how did he feel about it when, you know, he had the transition and, 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 and we, you know, we have, I don't think I can tell you all the crazy ideas that we have right now because some of them might be truth and that might happen. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't doubt that uh, you'll see us doing something together in the future. I mean, it's just, you know, we grew up together. We, we had this big, big rivalry in, at the racetrack that it, you know, we, you, you guys know, the people that follow us know how we went from best friends to not speaking to make up and, and, now we're old enough that we have kids, we hang. And um, oh, I'm going to say I'm going to leave it at, at you might see something happening uh, that me and him doing something together. I love it. Let's go to let's go to Nick Vance, who just says something that, frankly, Tony, a lot of people wrote in to say. I just chose Nick's because I thought it spoke for many people. It says, TK, I've always enjoyed watching you drive over the years. Thinking about an IndyCar paddock without you just doesn't seem right. Thank you for all the memories. And I think this is a part, TK, that really does stand out heavily. Thank you for always taking time for the fans. Uh, maybe share some thoughts on that, right? You, I mean, your personality has been uh, one of the great gifts to, uh, to motor racing. But, you know, there are a lot of champions like yourself, Indy 500 winners like yourself, who will kind of grit their teeth and sign a couple autographs. Hi, oh, yeah, I'll take a photo and you're off and they're off as fast as they can, you've never been that guy. And clearly that's resonated with a lot of people. Uh, well, Marshall, one thing that I always was extremely careful was always to be myself. I and mean, then I think that's, I believe that that's what people like about me. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I am, I'm, I am who I am. And you know that because you and I had, fights over the years yeah. and you're, you're who you are. And then we, we talked about, it. so I'm the same with my fans and I always appreciate because I always put myself in their shoes, right? So basically I always imagine being a dad, taking my kid to a race that he idolized this guy and then approaching this guy and he might only have 10 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, let's say the most to meet his hero. And this guy decided that he's because he's he is who he is or he's having a bad day for whatever reason feeds my kid bad and 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 disappoint my kid and I will never I mean knowing me I will never even look at this guy ever again and I'll be heartbroken for the experience. So to me, every time I get approached, and I'm not saying that it didn't happen throughout my career, um, I've I've had times that I didn't have time and I got people that complain and I try to make it up, you know, especially nowadays with social media, there are a lot of people that get extremely brave behind the keyboard and say things that are sometimes are not even true. But to be honest, um, that's what I love the most about the sport. That's what made Tony Kanan to be Tony Kanan in Indianapolis, you know, like it's the fans. And that was the most rewarding thing I had after winning the 500, to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't drinking the milk. It wasn't getting the ring. It was it was the experience that I had on that victory lap with the fans staying around that racetrack and cheering, I mean, and screaming my name. And then I'm thinking, 
man, I'm the one that won this thing. You know, they they didn't win anything. You know what I mean? It's like wow. So I I I I appreciate them. I I love the interaction. You know, I I think it's important. Um, it's a cliche, but if it without them, none of us would have a job. You know, so to me, they're always being important, and I always try to be myself. To be honest, it's awesome. Let's go to Cody Oakwood. I love this. It says TK, how does an oval only schedule change your off track preparation? More simulator time to make up for not driving the first few races. Maybe changing up your workout regimen. Uh, or any changes in your daily routine and such. I hadn't really thought about that before. So thanks for sending that in, Cody. Do you change anything? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I would just probably do more sim time just to still get, you know, be familiarized. But, you know, it's like riding a bicycle, man. When you do that for so long, it's it's going to take me a couple laps. And, you know, I do have a couple tests. We're doing Richmond and we're doing the open test and then the in April. So that's going to give me... You know, it's going to bring me back, back up to speed. It's not, it's not that bad. So training regimen, I'm actually training more just because I have more time. So that's actually only going to help. And uh, a little bit more sim and, uh, you know, obviously the weekends that I'm not racing, I'm, I'm being concentrating a little bit more on my neck because usually uh, neck exercise is good, but the best one is when you're driving the car, you can feel that, especially in the oval. So I increased that training just a bit, but I haven't changed the regimen at all. So now you're going to have, like, negative body fat. Man, I hate you. Um, <laughs> let's go to Kevin Deering, who says, Tony, outside of a win at Indy this year, what are you hoping happens in these last races, uh, both on and off the track? So it's a, it's a good one. Do you have any goals you've tried to set for yourself, I hope, I wish, or are you just going to let things flow? Now, on the track, I try not to create any expectations because you never know. So at the track, I just hope I can do the best job I can. Uh, I hope the team will deliver the things that they promised that they're going to deliver. And, and we go on and, and we have a great, great five races off the track. Uh, I just want to enjoy the fans and the love of the fans and then be able to be closer to them than I've ever was because I have more time, right? I mean, uh, hanging around all the races in IndyCar this year, especially the ones that I'm not doing, basically the 12 races that I'm not doing. Um, getting more interaction with the fans in the fan zone and hanging around the paddock um, a little more freely, I would say. It would be nice to uh, to get the love and to share the love and share the stories and, and do like, I mean, I see Dario does that quite a bit nowadays and Mario obviously has been doing it forever. I see Bobby does that. You know, you, you drive around the paddock sometimes during the race weekend and you can see this gathering like four or five guys around this person and you look and then all of a sudden there's Dario there telling a story to a bunch of people that are his fans you know so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to do it well he's such an attention whore he kind of needs it but you know we, we, <laughs> we excuse him I mean he puts all that time into getting his hair just right so naturally Correct. he wants as many people to see it as possible let's uh, let's sh- shift over Tony to a couple of more general questions here this one's fascinating from uh, our longtime listener, Peter Nutt from Holland. He says, hi, TK. Racism in sports has been quite a high-profile topic in recent years. Do you have any examples of how that works in IndyCar, and how do you respond, or is there none? 
Um, as far as I saw, I didn't understand the question itself. What is- oh, he's just curious, noting that it seems like racism in sports has been growing in recent years. He was curious if you have any examples, maybe from your own career in IndyCar, uh, of being on the receiving end of, of racism or something you might have seen well, towards another driver. Sorry. No, actually, man, the, the, the good part about IndyCar, and I have to say, I mean, you're talking to a Brazilian guy that came to America with, without speaking English. Still, I didn't speak a uh, 100% correct English. You make mistakes the way we speak. We have some accents that sometimes people cannot understand what we're saying. Uh, you know, and, and I've never, never expected that and that never experienced that. And then, you know, it, it's the opposite. I mean, they just... I became a, I became a fan favorite. I became, and I've never felt anything like that at all. So on my end, no. Have I noticed over the years? Um, not really. Maybe it was a little bit when Danica came to the series that you know you remember it was a little mm-hmm. bit like it, it was all about Danica, all about Danica, and then some guys got jealous. But I wouldn't call that a racism, or you know, but it was just like. People are jealous, man, and she is who she is. And look what where she is today, and look what she was for the sport, you know. And, and so, not really. So, actually, that's that's that is the first time I told you that before. The first time in twenty three years that I get that question. Experience some, witness some, Peter on the team side, but I'm glad to hear that Tony, as uh, a Brazilian in America of what Lebanese descent, if if I you know uh, lineage as Correct. well. Um, I mean, we just hate you for a lot of other reasons. It just has nothing to do Correct. with race. So you know, that, we can confirm that, Peter. Woo, boy, this guy. Um, let's go to Duncan, Idaho. It says Tony, how much did you have to push to maintain your colossal streak of consecutive IndyCar starts? And he also says, when did people take notice? And were there uh, any scary adventures of nearly missing the grid on this? What is it, 317 races or something crazy? Yeah, 317. Actually, I've never thought of it until somebody brought it up. Uh, I think it was two years ago that it started. And I was like, wow. And then, yeah, I mean, my fear, it's always, I I kept having the same dream uh, for years that, I missed the start of the race because I was in the bathroom and I didn't realize that <laughs> the race had started. You know, so um, that is my only fear. I've never actually went to a race week and think, "Oh, I'm not going to qualify. I'm not going to do this." Because if you think of that, you actually uh, interfering with the focus that you have to have to drive the car, to set up the car, to talk to the engineers. So I, I did not. Um, luckily. You know, because if you think about it, 317 races are like more than a decade, actually, even more, almost two decades, actually. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2000 the last time I broke the streak. So we talk about 20 years. Yeah. That I didn't get sick or something happened, but that tells you, and again, that tells you also how um, committed and how much I gave up many things in my life because I, and the, you know, in the past two decades, I had four kids and I miss actually two, three of their birth, three out of my four kids. I wasn't there oh. when they were born because, because I was racing. So, 
So when you think about when you think about um, you know the 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 stuff that that you had to give up to be able to keep the streak, it takes a lot of sacrifice. It's not just coincidence. You know what I mean? Lauren so, knew that she was entering so into. Lauren, a- sorry, Lauren actually just correct me. She said it was two, not three. So I missed Leo and I missed Nina. Okay, I, I was I barely I barely made it for Daco because I was in Daytona. And I was there for Max, so to be more accurate. But so it was a, it was almost a miss for you know. So half of my kids I didn't see it. So that's the commitment that you have, and that's why when you talk about numbers, it's not about the number. It's about the the sacrifices that I had to make. You know, I had my dad died, and I was yeah. missing. You know, so those are the things that you you when you put your career at first. To me, that's what's important. That's when you talk about the three seventeen. It's not just oh, it's a remarkable number because you made all. The, it's all the sacrifices that I made to get to the three seventy. It's a good thing you married the former Mrs. Bolander who was in racing because she knew that in marrying you, she was also marrying motor racing. Uh, oh, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, she's a uh, she's my rock. I mean, obviously she's she wasn't racing already before she met me before we met, so she understands that. I mean, when you, you talk about a girl that. Uh, uh, twice, uh, her water broke at home and she was alone because I was traveling, uh, and she drove herself to the hospital. So people don't do that at home. <laughs> that is not right. Wow. Uh, that, that tells you a lot about her and then what she lets me do. So, uh, for sure. Iron man, iron woman. I love it. All right. She's a lot stronger than me. We don't say that. We don't let people know that because you know, but she's, uh, definitely a lot stronger than me. As I tell folks, and as you know, my wife is trained. She can kill me at any time, legitimately. Well, like, I don't even pretend. Correct. Let's Same the, here. Let me ask a question, TK, and I don't know. I might keep this in or I might cut it out and use it for an article I've been working on. We keep talking about the amount of years that you have been doing this, and I'm taken aback by this. If we look at the date of your very first IndyCar race, so we are talking 1998. Uh, yeah. We, <clears throat> excuse me, we're talking 1998, March 15th, Homestead, Homestead, right? To what will be the last of again what we'll call your full time career, even though this year is mm-hmm. a little part time ish. Uh, yeah. Here at Gateway uh, in August of 2020, you will have spent. Forget the 317 starts. That almost sounds insignificant. 22 years, five months, and seven days in a single sport doing your job at a crazy high level. That moves you into some pretty rare air if we're talking about just popular sports, right? The late Kobe Bryant, 20 years in the NBA. He's the, that, he has the record, 20 straight years in the NBA in the NFL, another guy did 21 years. In baseball, there's only two people who've ever gone beyond 22 years. And in the NHL and hockey, there's only two people who've ever done more than 22 years in a single sport. I know that wow. in racing, you know, we look at A.J. Foyt and he did a thousand years. You know, in racing, there are some who went beyond that number. But if you could just share some thoughts about that, TK, because again, 22 years five months seven days 
that for any athlete in one sport, that's remarkable. It is, and then I feel extremely lucky. I like to say that I started too early, too young. That's why I lasted this long. <laughs> but mm. uh, you know, I think there is a combination of a lot of things. I think uh, my determination, my results, of course, because you're talking in a high level sport. If you don't perform, you just don't get lucky to drive for 23 years. You know, of course, you struggle. The past two years, I've I've listened to some keyboard warriors telling me what I should have done away a while ago and then and and what people don't understand marshall and and that's i said that in my announcement um we anybody that we're talking to me you the fans anybody that is listening we're not the same person we were 23 years ago or 22 years ago i mean you 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 know what i mean you had different dreams you had different goals and life goes on you learn from your mistakes and and your glories, your wins, blah, blah, blah. So to me, when you talk about how long I've lasted, uh, again, it goes back to my passion, my drive, the way my promise to my dad that I was going to you know, be an Indy 500 champion until I got that, I was not going to give up. Um, and then after that, things started to change. And then you go, you look back and you look at the legacy that you're creating. And, and I'm not talking about, I'm nowhere near um, a, a Scott Dixon type of guy to have five championships and this and that. We're not talking about wins. We're talking about the legacy that what are you trying to show the people? Because you've been in a top, high top end sport for that long. People are watching you. Kids are watching. Yeah, I have people that said, I grow up watching you. You know, that makes me sound or feel <laughs> old, but. But no, you know, you inspire me. I was five when when I start watching you. Now I'm 25. You should think about it, right? I mean, you just had 22 years. So this guy is actually, he was five years old when he met me in Homestead. Today he's 27. And so it's been a, 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 I've been crossing, you know, what what am I doing here? Why, why I kept doing? Why did I last this long? I took care of my body for sure. I still, people still believe I could drive, right? Uh, I was one of the most popular, I am one of the most popular drivers that you can possibly think in IndyCar, that's a fact. Uh, my sponsors, I create relationships that sponsors when I struggle uh, to get jobs because the economy, the way it is, you still indirectly need to be, they step it up, so I kept my job, so that's another one, but also it's, it's the legacy that you want to live. And to mm. me, Lately, all that kept me racing, Marshall, because I had a very, very rough, the last two years were rough. Yeah. I could have just said, I don't need this. The amount of Why things we haven't it? spoken about in public, the amount, you know, and we're not going to do that now. But for those who don't know, the 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 class of Tony Kanon has been on display during the hardest times because, heck, yeah, what are we talking it, about this week? Alonzo's bad comments about Honda years ago are causing roadblocks for him. You could have said all kinds of things, but chose the correct path. You know, racing, racing is a family and, you know, I know we get hot, you know, hot headed, but to me, like, like I was saying the past few years, I mean, to tell the truth, I mean, do you really think uh, when a guy asked me, well, you should retire because you are running 20th. I mean, what, 
a guy in my position that I have won a championship, I won an Indy 500, so that you can't take away from me. Why do you still have a keeper? Do you think I enjoy doing that? I enjoy racing uh, in the back, knowing that I really race in the, you know, up front all my life, getting lapped sometimes by friends, the people that I beat. And, and that's my point. The past few years, it was, I'm stubborn. I want to make it work. I believe I can make it work, but also it's to set an example that it's not about the wins only. It's about how bad you want it. And, you know, when you struggle, you don't give up because that's the easiest thing. Yes, two years ago, I could have said, you know why, guys, enough. I'm going to spend time with my family. I don't, thank God, I'm, I, I, like I said, I don't need money to make a living like this. I can go get an ordinary job. It will still be, will be totally fine the way we live. I don't need this, but that's not my point. It's to show my kids, show other people's kids and show people that it's possible. You can do it. Even when you struggle, you've got to be there. You have a responsibility mm. on doing it. And to me, that's basically, I know I, it, this is a really long answer. It's like a, an Alex Zanardi type of answer, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my point. And, and that's why I lasted. And then I, 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 I believe it's extreme. It, it's, it's remarkable. I love it. I, I, I've enjoyed every moment of it, um, even the bad ones. And that was the reason that I lasted. But I think, to be honest, it wasn't just about me. People that I work with, and you know that because you know me my entire career, uh, manufacturers that I've been involved, teams that I've been involved, I think I kept getting jobs, even though I was not winning is because they believe I could, but they also knew how bad I really wanted. And people, that's what people want. They want somebody that wants it really bad because they know you're going to deliver. And then that's pretty much it. That's, I guess that's my answer. We just, I think it's more of those people saying, man, we just really don't want to hear. Welcome to Walmart. My name's Tony. Have a, a pleasant day. You know, let me throw no, in. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to no, say, let me, uh, let me throw in one other aspect to this longevity thing, which you may or may not already know this, but you know, you're obviously, despite spending your prof- most of your professional career here in the States. You're a proud, proud son of Brazil. I love the fact, Tony, that looking at whether it was your your friend and hero, Ayrton Senna, right? He spent, his life was cut short, but he spent 11 years in Formula One. Your dear friend Rubens did 18 years in F1, then added one more open wheel in IndyCar, and he's still racing like a maniac. I know. You know like, and he's got Duda coming up as well. So uh, Correct. But looking at your countrymen, you know, I guess we could say uh, Emerson, right? I mean, he did 11 years in F1, took two, three years, you know, was two or three years away, then came back and did 13 years in IndyCar. So by the numbers, I guess you could say Emo did more years in total. But really, among Brazilian race car drivers, I think – you know, you really set a standard here too for young drivers to aspire towards as well. No, for sure. And you know, obviously, uh, back at home, it's uh, you know, it's fun to see how kids, you know, how you know, I can say how Senna inspired me, how Emerson inspired me, and now people saying I aspire, I aspire them. You know, Pretty so uh, it's 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 amazing. It's like sometimes. Uh, it's hard to believe because you never really think you can do those things. But then when you talk about, like I said, I mean, 
not that my fans make me feel old, but I mean, some people, I was just today, I was here at the 7-Eleven event. This guy comes in and, you know, 7-Eleven's been with me since 2003. And this guy came to me and showed me a picture of his kid. That was actually, I just said that. It was five years old in 2003. And my first race in Homestead that we started on the pole. And he says, look at this picture. He showed me on the phone and the kid was right beside him. And I didn't even recognize, obviously. He says, well, yeah, he was five. And today he's 27 and he's a franchisee. I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So... And the guy and the kid was like, you know, I've followed your entire career. Uh, you were so kind to me and, and you inspire me because, uh, you know, a lot of the franchisees are foreigners. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people know that if you want a 7-Eleven, you're, you know, from either your headquarters. But I mean, there's the majority of them are foreigners. And the kid says, you're, you know, the way you conduct yourself, the way you raise yourself, you came up and then you fought for, this is what my family did. And this is, you inspire me. And that was like a very touchy moment for me to, uh, you know, to hear that, which is, you know, you never realize that, but back to your question. Yes. In Brazil, it's, uh, it's funny. It's funny to go home and, and see people say, I, I, I want to, when I grow up, I want to be like you. I'm like, man, you don't want to do that. But okay. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> Go to school, get into buy a 7-Eleven franchise. Correct. Do something. Or don't get into racing. You know? All right. Well, let's, let's close. Let's wind down a little, Tony. We've got a lot of, a lot of questions, but they're short well, ones. Well, we can do a part two. We can do a oh, part two. Oh, no, no, two, of right? course. Of course. We got some fun ones here that I want to close on. Uh, Nathan Koch says, Tony, what's your favorite prank you've ever played on a teammate? And also, again, says thank you for all the great memories. Well, the Dan Weldon prank is uh, extremely famous, so I'll make it a very short. Otherwise, we're only going to have a time to answer that question. But I, uh, I impersonated Dan Weldon and uh, at uh, at the front desk of the hotel in Japan, and we broke into his room, and um, he had four pairs of shoes. So we shipped one up one side of each pair back to america at the time we were going to spend a week there and uh i took his tv and his mattress out of out of the room and um and we sent him on a museum tour and when he was to obviously to be able to do all that and when he came back um he was not happy he was very ocd so uh that one was uh probably the biggest one all i'm saying is you've got dalton kellett sebastian bourdais and charlie kimball this year i hope you got your fedex or whatever shipping account you know up to date because <laughs> if they get through the year without some some pranks i'm going to be mad let's go to uh, jj gertler who asks tony let's settle this once and for all is chip ganassi in fact adorable <laughs> chip can be adorable if you're winning when can you're be. not uh He's a, he's a racer, man. I have to give it to the guy. You know, uh, everybody have their own personality. What I, what I really like about Chip, he is, uh, he will tell you in your face exactly what he's thinking about you. And then that I can actually appreciate in a person. And he wants to win races. If you win races, you're fine. You can be whoever you want. So, uh, he, he's adorable when you win. I love it. All right. Just a couple more here, brother. And then we're going to let you go. Uh, Smart Alex says, Tony, will you grow out your old fro from back in the day for the races this year? That would make me happier than anything. So I have a couple surprises that I won't, I won't review. I'll let you guys. I have a couple things happening this year to remind of my past. Good. So some of them, it could be my fro because people I hate 
when people see me and they make comments on my social media, like, well, you know, I, you know, you post a throwback Thursday and people just, oh, you had hair. <laughs> Guys, I still do. It's just, it's terrible. So I, I choose to shave. But people don't believe me. They think because I was going, because the nat- naturally, when you're going bald, you shave. And that's what people think. I shave because actually it's my option to do it because I don't like the way my hair looks. So maybe, just maybe, I might let it grow for four months and you guys will see the old TK. Oh. Uh, the old TK hair, just to prove the point. Oh, this is great. Kevin Kerner wonders, Tony. Uh, of all the cars you've driven, do you have any favorite liveries? He says your McDonald's car from 99 and your KV Lotus from 2011 were, her, were his favorites. Are there any that you're just like, oh, my goodness, that's too uh, beautiful? Man, my, yeah, I would say my LCI car. I mean, that car was so cool. I mean, it was my first year, but that livery there was uh, with Tasman in 98 uh, was my all-time favorite. Although I have some pretty cool sponsors, you know, McDonald's and, and you know, the Target car. But, I mean, I would say that my, uh, my 1998 car was it was awesome. And you're working on some good stuff this year, I know. Brian Cohn says... Oh, some surprises yeah? we can't say right now. Okay. But. Brian Cohn asks, Tony, who wins in an arm wrestling contest, you or AJ? Oh, uh, well... I saw that question. I, you, you need to specify the year. If it's today, I bet on myself. If it's 30 years ago <laughs> when the guy that fights a lion wants to arm wrestling you, I don't think I should do that. So, <laughs> All right. Let's see. I'll grab one or two more, brother. J.R. Riggs, this, we couldn't do a, a show without talking about your passion here. He says, Tony, as a fellow cyclist, what is your favorite track to ride uh, with your bike? Um, Elkhart Lake, mm. definitely Road America. It's uh, it's long, it's fast, it has some hills. I mean, that is definitely my favorite place to ride. Um, as far as riding at the racetrack, and I'll put second place. I know he didn't ask, but riding at the speedway during the month of May at six o'clock in the morning and see the sun coming up and oh. just being being in that place, it's uh, it's a. Uh, I, I know I'm bragging because that's not you know an experience that anybody that a lot of people cannot do because you're not allowed, but that's a very unique experience. Could you imagine going reverse course at Laguna? I mean, my heart would explode before I even got to the corkscrew. That, can you imagine that? That actually, uh, I, I, uh, that's a good idea. All right. I suggest that. All right. Uh, Raymond Wong, TK, which convenience store do you prefer, 7-Eleven or Circle K? And he's not just Come being an on. agitator, right? There's a reason he's asking. Oh, there is a reason. Seven uh, Eleven has been with me uh, on and off since 2003. And when they decide to leave the sport, of course, uh, you know they've done a lot for us. Um, for four years, they did not sponsor me, and for the 500 in 13, it wasn't through me, but uh, through Sully and Jimmy. They got this hydroxycut sponsorship that came with some vendors and some other businesses, and they had Circle K in the car, which made Joe, uh, the CEO of 7-Eleven, extremely mad because he's a personal friend. Uh, so basically, since then, 7-Eleven came back, and they've been with me as my personal sponsor on my helmet and on my suit um, because he says it's unacceptable. You cannot, you cannot do that. So the answer... As always, and it's not because of that, because obviously, uh, you know, the biggest and the most questions that I get in the past five years is, 
when are you going to run the 7-Eleven car again? Because they see the 7-Eleven in my helmet, 7-Eleven in my suit. And, um, and everybody loved that car. And obviously, I won a lot of races in that car. If I don't if, if I recall right, I checked. It's like 13 out of my 17. Yeah. Uh, so the answer is 7-Eleven because they've been, obviously, I had no relationship with the other brand. I'm not going to keep mentioning to give them props. Uh, it was not through me. I've always been a 7-Eleven guy. Final question, brother. We had Ben Sanders who asked, have you ever thought about doing some form of documentary on your career? And Damon Cesario says, hey, Tony, will we ever see an autobiography released by you about your amazing career? So, not again, you're not done, but this maybe is a stage where you might start thinking, hmm, do I start telling those stories yet? No, for sure. Uh, that is in my mind. Uh, I have a hard time um, pitching that myself. I think that should be something that it should come naturally from somebody. But we have ideas. I think the fans will love to know, especially the new fans. You know, like I'm telling you, we just talked about a bunch of times about the five-year-old that became 27-year-old and follow all my career. How about this new generation that have no idea? You know, like my kids, for instance. I mean, he's my... Leo is 13. He's been through it, but the other kids don't have no, my other kids have no idea. So yes, um, timing is the tricky part when to do this and what's going to come first. Is it the documentary? Is it the book? What is it, um, that we're going to do? But yes. And then I can assure you that they both going to happen. I just don't know when, if it's going to be next year, if it's going to be two years from now, uh, what's going to be, if is it going to be a, you know, uh, ESPN 3030, or is going to be something that we go on Netflix? And, you know, we saw that. I don't know. Obviously, that is a project. Stories, we have plenty. I have, I can tell the story of my career. I can tell, I can tell the, the quest of trying to win the Indy 500 for 12 years and not succeeding and going through, you know, knowing, like, remember, you and Robin say, hey, you might be like, a couple other guys that are going to be very well known for not winning the Indy 500 and go win the 500. So we have plenty to talk about. So yes, the answer is it's going to happen and uh, you guys will know for sure and when when that's going to happen. Well, we're going to get Miller a new box of crayons to start writing that autobiography with you. Um, <laughs> that would be uh, that would be a delightful thing. Brother, you know how much we love you. I really do appreciate you taking some time here for us while you're busy doing sponsor engagements in las vegas and while i won't see you at spring training hopefully i get to see you here very soon as the season gets rolling yeah cool are you not coming then no nah, i wish i could brother my uh my wife is getting better every day but yeah, uh, yeah. Go not until awesome. she's ready uh when she's we'll, ready we'll to... cover you there I'll, I'll send you some info i'll send the fans some info i mean uh, actually we're doing uh that's what was another thing i will be uh i'll be doing the live streaming with indycar commentating with paul tracy kevin lee and some of the guys for the two days. So uh, maybe uh, you guys tell me how 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 good or bad. If I suck, tell me I suck. No, you're we'll going to put those fools out of work. I love it. Tracy better watch his ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you All as right, always. Man, thank you.